baby. Welcome to the Real Wolf Record Club. I am Joe. I'm your host here on the Real Wolf Record Club. And with me is Ben from the Real Wolf Record Club panel. God, I never get tired of saying that. Uh, Ben and I have done this for so long, and we are so happy to be with you here on season two of the Real Wolf Record Club. And just like season one, we've got another great show lined up for you as we break down one of the great folk rock albums in modern music. It's, It's actually, I will say, it's an album that I had a really hard time finding out how to describe it because if you read about this album online it's called americana despite the group being mostly from canada it's called roots it's called roots rock it's called folk rock it's called all those things put in a blender and they created one of the great great folk rock is that's what i landed on folk rock albums of all time uh, it's a rootsy album in a number of ways, uh, not the least of which was the fact that it, it was kind of written by the group. Not there's not one of those you know figurehead songwriters in the group that wrote all the album the songs and everyone played them. It was written collaboratively in a house in Hollywood owned by Sammy Davis Jr. of all people. It's an album that sought to capture the essence of America, made by a group of Canadians. Amen to that. Uh, it's been known as the Brown Album, and it has been routinely declared as one of the greatest albums of all time. We are, of course, talking about that great odyssey of Americana, The Band by The Band. And with us to talk about that record is an emerging singer, songwriter, who in January of this year released his debut album, Long Way From Home, a record filled with uncomplicated, warm songs that were featured on several most anticipated country record lists for 2023. He is the son of a preacher man and an oil painter. That's a first. That's a first combo on our show here uh, in Fort Smith, Arkansas. Our guest is a name that I think you're going to hear a lot about in the very, very near future. J.D. Clayton is our guest here on the Real Wolf Record Club. Welcome to the show, J.D. Thanks for having me, man. This is so <laughs> awesome. Thank you. So- what what an introduction. That was legendary, dude. You you, well, you that down pat man wow well, yeah you practice in the mirror <laughs> enough you get used to the rhythm <laughs> well i mean but truthfully you know figuring out how to introduce people it's like yeah i noticed a lot of the descriptions for you as a singer songwriter is always simple uncomplicated direct clear and i love that but i almost wonder if it's like I got to figure out something out. I mean, similar to talking about the band, it was like, it's roots, it's folk rock, it's this, but it's like, I love trying to pull out who the person is a little bit. And that part about, you know, simple, uncomplicated versus he's the son of a preacher man and an oil painter. I mean, that might be uncomplicated or very unique. <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah, it, it is what it is, man. They're, they're good folks and uh, raised me, right i guess they're they're definitely a good mom and dad so is that i mean that not to put you on the spot i guess or or maybe that's exactly what we're doing uh does that inform kind of where you come at it from a songwriter performer you know simple and uncomplicated i don't think of as a as a as a knock i think of that's just a trademark of a clear voice 
expressing what he wants to express. Is that, do you do draw that from somewhere? I don't think I'm smart enough to uh, sit there and, you know, come up with some, some real intelligent way of explaining something. That's just, you know, (laughs) I'm not going to beat around the bush. I, I, you know, it's, you can pull what you want from my songs, but it, the, it, it's just a, a, a basic dude just writing, <laughs> you know, a story that he, uh, somebody told me a while ago, you know, so mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I really enjoyed the no nonsense approach to things. I'd rather just let's get it done and, and explain it in a way that, you know, the average show can relate to it. Um, and Right. And, and I think that that's from what, you know, your new record. I mean, that's, that's pretty clear that you're not necessarily speaking to anyone in particular. You're just speaking directly to them at the same time, if that makes sense. Tell me about the new record. How did that come together? Uh, you know, I, I think you're based in Nashville now. Tell me about that. Yeah. So I moved to Nashville about three years ago. My wife and I loved the city of Nashville just in general uh, it is I the knew, loudest city on the planet is it, it not it really is <laughs> it, it's uh you've got to escape to the the small neighborhoods uh surrounding downtown if you want to have any sense of a uh, you know quiet life if you don't want to get run <laughs> over by a random bus full of bachelorette parties or one random band storming onto the street from one of the bars, then yes, the other neighborhoods are the way place to go. <laughs> I, I will say it is entertaining uh, just on a random afternoon to mm-hmm. uh, watch that go by. It does make traffic seem like it goes quicker when you see a tractor full of, uh, of bachelorette. That guy is legendary. Everybody I've talked, we went last year in September and everybody who I've talked to be like, did you see the tractor guy? <laughs> like, yeah, tractor oh, guy. It do, it, dude does real well for himself. And uh, he seems to be having a fun time doing it. I don't know. Um, there's, you talk to enough natives uh, of Nashville, and they they can get pretty fired up about that. But <laughs> the look on that poor guy's face at 2 p.m. on a Sunday afternoon, he is like, "I've had enough of this shit." But load on up, let's go. Tip well. <laughs> yeah, he's he's looking forward to to. Uh, clocking out that day for sure right so but, you're in nashville the new record yeah so we so we moved and uh just loved the town and decided that we were going to leave our hometown of fort smith arkansas and you know my wife is a nurse and i was doing music so it was like well, those are the two biggest industries in nashville let's just give it a shot mm. We thought it'd be good for our marriage. Just get out from underneath, you know, um, we were really young, get out from underneath our parents, just like go kind of like learn life on our own for a little while. Mm -hmm. And so we did. And right as we got to town just shortly after COVID hit and I went to work for a landscape company just South of Nashville in a town called Millensville. And I did that for about a year and a half and all the while I was working for this landscape company. I was jotting down songs um, in the back of the truck as we went from, you know, job to job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've actually, funny enough, I've got 
a couple of voice memo recordings of me humming the melody to Long Way From Home. And in the background, you can hear my buddies, Jose and Alfredo, just just getting into it about something. Just you can hardly hear you can hardly you can hardly hear me sing it because they're they're just getting after it. But yeah, I mean that's that's I know that's a lot of storyline in just a few sentences. It, it, but really that's all it was. It was just we had high hopes of you know leaving the small town to come figure things out in Nashville. I you know I was gonna make it and I had some, you know, I was working a coffee shop gig, working for, I worked for a freight broker company for a little while, and we just thought we had it made, and COVID really flipped the table and just forced us to get out of our comfort zones and forced us to figure it out or else. Mm-hmm. It was the best thing that ever happened to me because here I was, you know, in the middle of nowhere, I mean, it's middle Tennessee, but no one'sville can feel like the middle of nowhere uh sometimes and you know here i am doing manual labor with eight you know four guys from mexico two guys from el salvador and two guys from the dominican republic just trenching you know for irrigation lines and mm-hmm. uh i was i mean there were some days some pretty dark days where i was just like man what am i doing with my life Mm-hmm. You know, I could, if I wanted to do landscaping, I could do this in Fort Smith, Arkansas. Like, mm-hmm. you, know, I don't, you know, I don't know what we're doing here. I haven't seen my folks in eight months. You know, is this really what it's all about? And that situation really caused me to, out of necessity, I had to create. And mm-hmm. I mean, the day I wrote Long Way From Home, we had just finished, I was sitting on the front steps of an apartment complex and we had just finished running the irrigation lines for this building. And all the guys were taking a siesta after lunch. And I just sat on the front steps and wrote the words to the beginning of Long Way From Home. I read the letter you sent this morning. I imagined that we were having coffee, you know, the, just the whole, this whole scene yeah. was just falling into my lap. <clears throat> Mama, I know I'm a long way from home, but these dreams that I have are just not, it's not over. I'm not going to give up just because the situation got hard all of a sudden. And Hmm. uh, I really wrote the whole album in about a year's time. Most of the songs were written in the back of the truck going from job to job on these sites. The others were written at my kitchen table as soon as I would come home for a shift. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so that's in a nutshell, that's, that's the last three years of my life. That's my journey to Nashville. I left the small town, came here, experienced some adversity and wrote a 10, 10 song album, you know, mm. basically describing my journey in music. Well, and I, I mean, that's, it's so great to hear that, that you can see the arc or the thread from that story, um, in, in your own life, but how did you I mean, what was it that helped you persevere? Because there's got to be a million people who wash out the other side and and decide instead of writing an album while I'm working in the back of the truck that they're just going to keep working on the back of the truck or they're going to go and do something else. I mean, how, what was it that kind of propelled you through? Because as we'll see and talk about, you've got some songs that are very ambitious in, in a great way. I mean, what was it that kept driving you? Before COVID, we had built 
somewhat of a following in my hometown. Mm-hmm. We were able to go in and play a couple shows at just a local bar in Fort Smith and, and, you know, pull, you know, a couple hundred folks and sell out this small little venue. I mean, you know, it was things like that, that gave me some kind of, I guess it was just a confirmation that I needed that, that told me like, Hey, you know, you, you've got something here. You actually mm-hmm. can sing and people uh, seem to like these songs you're writing. Uh, I think early on, that was what I needed to just reaffirm that I could be a songwriter. Mm-hmm. Um, but during COVID, I, I, man, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm talking the, the labor was just, it was a lot and to do it for a year and a half to this degree, it was just, uh, cause it wasn't like we were mowing lawns. I mean, we were, we were doing hardscape. They call it. Yeah. We <laughs> at the BNA Nashville airport, Oh, they just, they built a brand new car, car garage. And we planted every single shrub and tree and, you know, irrigation. Uh, I feel that so so much. It was over like 5,000 shrubs. You know what I mean? So it was like, it was stuff like that, that eventually I think I just cracked. And I, I called my buddy that's a producer and I just said, I need you to set aside two weeks we, we've got two months and uh, in April of 2021, I called him probably in February. Yeah. I, I need you to set aside two weeks for me. Cause I've got 10 songs that I finally finished and uh, I'm going to record a record and they need to go somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I was like, I'm, I'm tired of waiting around. I know if I don't do it now, if I don't, I had kind of been following the Nashville system of releasing singles and just mm-hmm. recording projects in that way. And I just knew that if I didn't go ahead and commit and record a full album, uh, which would end up being my debut album. I, I don't know. I just, I knew it wasn't going to happen because I just didn't have enough material um, to you know, get me, get me through. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that's what we did. We, we hopped in the studio in April of 2021. We did the first five songs as you hear them down. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hello, good morning, American millionaire, beauty queen, gold mine, and long way from home. We did one day of pre-production in my tiny house that I was living, my wife and I were living in and we just put all the, I'll have to send you guys a picture, but we set up the whole band in my living room. It was like less than a hundred square feet. It was just, <laughs> I don't even know how we fit all in there, but we learned the songs and then uh, went into the studio for two days after that. The band that I had hired was a part of another project that went on tour. So we had to take a month break and mm-hmm. then they came back and we completed the second half of the album as you hear it top Mm -hmm. to bottom in our second session which was like two days of recording and it was ready to uh you know be taken to we we had a couple days of overdubs a dear friend of mine pat lyons that tours with uh, culture wall and was a big player on the western swings and waltzes album if you're familiar with that record Mm -hmm. uh 
he did a lot of the overdub um, stuff that we did with, you know, whether it was pedal steel or slide guitar, you know, I'm, I'm getting in the weeds here, but I mean, that, that was basically the run of it. We just, 2021 was our, was our year of uh, work on this record and getting it mixed. And 2022 was really me just showing it to anybody and everybody that would be willing to listen uh, in Nashville. It's kind of paid off uh, thus far. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, and when you say it's paid off for people or paid off for you um, and you showed it to anyone that would listen in Nashville, I've heard that the Nashville scene, I mean, it's, it's gotta be, it's the music city, but I've heard that that is a very, equal parts difficult place to break into but also very supportive i mean is that is that accurate or what was your experience with that yeah very accurate my story is is a little bit unique because it was an accident Mm -hmm. i basically at the end of 2021 i played a christmas show at the basement the OG basement on eighth Avenue here in Nashville. And somehow the flyer that I created for the show ended up on the desk of one of the assistants at William Morris (laughs) because she collected posters around town so that she would know when there was a show that she should go scout. Mm -hmm. Anyways, she followed me on Instagram. I saw that her, profile said you know william morris so i followed back i sent a dm on instagram and i said hey i would love to buy you coffee i just finished recording a record that i believe is gonna be cool and i'd love to show it to you two months later i was working with william morris Mm. a couple you know a month later i uh, found the management team that i wanted to work with networking works kids Wow. <laughs> That's a hustle, man. I mean, and I, and I don't, I, I hope that doesn't come across as braggadocious. I, I don't mean that to uh, sound, you know, uh, like I did anything. I, I just think it just worked out that uh, I had something ready so that when opportunity struck, it, it was in hand to just pass it off. Um well, and that's, it's, it's that you mean, you just told us you were digging ditches, you know, <laughs> there's nothing you could say it's bragging at this point. Um, but I mean, we've heard that before with a lot of our guests and, and quite frankly, it's a little bit of the truth for us here on the show too. It's, it's the world belongs to those who take it or ask for it, you know, however you want to look at it and, and reaching out and saying, Hey, we're either going to do this or we're not, you just have to do it. And I think that's such a cool little encapsulation of I'm playing a Christmas show and somebody finds my flyer. I pay attention on who's following me on social. I follow back and reach out and boom. Now I'm moving my album forward, moving my project forward. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's not bragging. That's just hustle, right? Uh, (laughs) You said it, not me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's, let's talk a little bit uh, about you. You were in, uh, you know, you talked about growing up in a border town in the mid South is that's the South, right? As a, we're from yeah it, we don't know where this that up. It, it's a it's a big debate uh believe it or not um, i love wading right in all right arkansas is a southern state if we're talking about you know if we're going to bring up the civil war and 
you know, states that joined that effort. Arkansas was one of those. It, it is a, uh, in its territory, it is a Southern state. However, Fort Smith, Arkansas, where I'm from on the border of Oklahoma will throw you for a loop because it was at one time, it was the hub of the wild west it was the last stopping point that you Hmm. would make before heading out to california on your way if you've ever seen the movie true grit with Mm -hmm. uh originally with john wayne and then Mm -hmm. recently with uh jeff bridges fort smith is the town they're talking about in that story Mm -hmm. Uh, outlaws that would escape into native american territory in oklahoma would then be seeked out by marshals and brought back to Fort Smith and hanged in Fort Smith and hanging judge, the hanging judge. That's all from Fort Smith. So when you're walking up and down the streets of Fort Smith and, and you just, you know, make the two minute drive over to Oklahoma, it's easy to think that you're, you're in the Midwest because everything about it is, is, uh, kind of confused with, uh, what we know as Southern heritage, uh, throughout, you know, sure. in Alabama. Uh, but, but it is, it is part of the South. <laughs> I love that. That's it. That's the exact type of digression that is right in my wheelhouse. Like I wanted to know all that. I'm so glad you clarified. I, I, yeah, I, I realize I'm, uh, I, I'm, <laughs> I might be abusing by, I'm giving y'all more than you, you bargained for at this point. <laughs> Oh uh, no, I I actually mean it, but I mean you did take on your professor glasses and you're like, let's let's go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, Wait, I mean you opened that can of words. I so. did, <laughs> I, but I mean up in the Midwest, we don't know. I mean we know that to me the South is like Florida, yeah, Georgia, yeah, and Texas is not the South. Texas is West, apparently. Texas, so is I had, Texas, Texas is Texas. So all right, so we we got that. You're yeah. you're pinned down in a border, not pinned down. You're in a border town in yeah. the mid south. That is sometimes the south and sometimes the gateway to the unknown. How's that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's beautiful. <laughs> there you yeah. go. Yeah. You can put that on your next album. Yeah. Uh, it's. <laughs> I mean, you learned you learned to, and then then. But the other side of it is you. The two things that I pulled out were you learned to, learn to love music sitting on the wood benches of a church and you learn to collaborate sitting in a music appreciation class with a friend in college. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, is that those two, they seem, I can hear that part and you go to a church with a great band or a great choir. It can make everything great. I mean, is that really where you got your start or did you find that later in life? My grandfather was a banjo player in a bluegrass band called the Jesus man gospel band they would tour around uh, to different cities in Arkansas and feed prisoners, you know, a, a barbecue dinner and then play a bluegrass show. So mm. from the earliest times I can remember as a kid, there was music in the house because I, I spent a lot of time at my grandparents' house. And so he was constantly playing uh the banjo and I would try to play along with him by picking up the acoustic guitar. He he taught me, you know, a few chords and, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't until I guess I was in the ninth grade. My parents gave my sister a piano 
um, hoping to, I, I really don't even know what their intention was. I think they just completely overlooked the fact that I had all the music talent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and they just wanted to give her something to, uh, that she could do, but they put this piano in her room. And I remember the day, I mean, vividly because a friend of hers came over who had taken piano lessons and she sat down and played a couple chords. And I just remember that sound just setting something off in my brain. I mean, just mm -hmm. immediately piqued my attention because I was just like, that sound, those notes together like that is, is beautiful. So I sat down and got her to show me how she was doing that. And sure enough, like, you know, I, I was just sitting there with my three fingers you know, one note spaced in between, just basically doing triads up and down the whole 88 keys of this piano. And then, you know, basically by ear was figuring out that you could do, you know, in Nashville, what we would just call a one, four, five, like a, if you did a C and then an F and then a G chord mm -hmm. all together. And, you know, it doesn't take, it's not rocket science to know by ear that that's pleasing to your ear. Right. Those chords, for some reason, go well together. And after that, I mean, it was, they moved the piano into my room the next day. It was just, I could not get off of it. I couldn't quit playing. Mm -hmm. I was just constantly playing, you know, making up my own songs with chords. Um, then I discovered YouTube and found that I could teach myself all these songs that I loved. And so it was just a natural progression. I taught myself how to play The Scientist by Coldplay and learned the words and sang it on my iPhone voice memo. I guess this is probably 2000, maybe 2011, 2012. Mm -hmm. uh, and I just remember going downstairs and I pressed play on this voice memo recording of me singing and playing piano to the scientist and my parents just looked at each other with their their mouths you know open it's like it's what have we done <laughs> yeah yeah i mean and they were just like they had no idea it was the first time that we it was confirmation that i was like like holy cow you can sing so to get back to your you know your uh tie-in with the church my dad was a bivocational pastor working as a real estate uh, broker and uh, was, was a college pastor. And so the guy that they had hired to lead worship at this church took another job. And I was the only person in the room that knew how to play, you know, a guitar or a piano and somewhat sing. So as a, you know, ninth or 10th grader, I was leading college students in worship songs. And uh, that really started the beginning of getting me out of my comfort zone mm -hmm. uh, to perform, if you will, in front of people. Fast forward to end of high school and a friend conned me into singing for our graduation. And uh, we didn't go to a small high school. I mean, it was a very, there were several thousands of people at graduation and mm. I just remember getting on the stage, and, 
you know, playing, uh, playing this song. I think it was Rivers and Roads by uh, the Head and Heart, mm-hmm. uh, which I think every in 2014, every high school uh, had that uh, had that song. <laughs> right there. Yeah. It's their class theme. <laughs> their graduation. <laughs> but uh i just remember playing that song in front of that many people and turning to my friend that had kind of you know called me and doing this and it was just like golly mm-hmm. this is uh what is this about yeah you get that charge and you knew that it's yeah. all this is something for me so two months later i'm standing on the uh the outside of a farmer's market in Fort Smith, just uh, busking for tips, playing songs that I had learned um, over my time in high school and, you know, was making some good money on the weekends. A couple months later, college starts and I'm in a music appreciation class and meet this kid that is a, you know, incredible guitar player. Mm hmm. And I uh, asked him if he wants to start a band and we start a band called small town symphony and we play our first show in the university's Starbucks, uh, that was full of my entire family. <laughs> <laughs> what I love buried in that story about the music appreciation class is if your folks were like my folks were like my wife's folks, uh, I don't know, Ben, maybe yours and just the same, but, uh, all the the money that went into college credits for things like music appreciation class. <laughs> like we already know you like music. Why are you yeah. making us pay for it? Yeah. <laughs> My wife took horseback riding and her parents won't let her forget it. She's like, I like the horses. <laughs> I I would have taken the horseback riding. Yeah. Awesome. Man, All the credits so are free cool. after 12. <laughs> <laughs> It, it was so much fun, though. I mean, just clowning around, talking about Mozart and the Beatles. I mean, it, we had such a great professor. It, it was, uh, you know, but looking back on it, just so funny that me and this this guy, his, his name is actually Grayson Stewart. He's the lead guitar player for, uh, for anybody that's a heavy metal fan. Um, he is the lead guitar player for Norma Jean, uh, which is a... Uh, I, I know who Norma Jean is. <laughs> yeah. Norma Jean is from Van Buren, Arkansas, which is the town right next door to Fort Smith, my hometown. They're side-by-side sister. Are they a solid state band? Is that the the Christian metal? Or am I imagining that's a Norma Jean? All the metal kids who listen to our show are like, oh, this guy's a square wow yeah solid state tooth and nail there you go from the moment we met we we wanted to start this band together just to play music but he he was always like man my favorite you know i love heavy metal and i I really want my dream is to kind of be on the road with a major band Mm -hmm. yeah sure enough like a couple years ago they picked him to start being their lead guitar player and uh hey tours all over wow well, let's talk a little bit uh, before uh, we turn over to our favorite part of the show. Let's talk a little bit. Um, I got to ask, uh, brown-haired, blue-eyed baby. That uh, Hannah is uh, my partner and spouse who is also part of the panel, and she's D 
dealing with said toddler tonight. Uh, but she was listening to the song and she said, hey, I'm a brown haired, blue eyed baby. And I kind of looked at her and said, you are. You are. <laughs> so I was going to ask. I said, "What's? You tell me about the background of that story. Because that's that's the song I think a lot of people are going to know by you. It's got millions of plays on Spotify. It's it's just a fabulous song. Tell me about that one. Thank you, man. I could try to paint some kind of romantic picture for you, but it 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 was like the fourth or fifth song I ever wrote. You know, I wrote it about my wife. She's got brown hair and blue eyes. Uh, go figure. And... Uh, it wasn't until my senior year that I, I think we were talking about it before we went live, that uh, the producer that I've worked with mostly, Thomas Doolin, it was the first time I stepped into the studio. I, I was wanting to record music seriously, and I had a couple songs that I wanted to, to record for the first time on an actual, you know, actual project, put it out. And Brown Hair, Blue Eyed Baby was the, the first song I had completed, and um, so it's just one of those songs that uh, people can say what they want about Spotify and can talk crap about it all day, whatever, you know, everybody has their own, uh, their own store that they like to support. But mm -hmm. if it was not for Spotify and it's well-designed algorithm, nobody would, have ever listened to that song and nobody would ever know not that a ton of people know who I am, but like anybody who does know or who, who has ever listened to that song would have never listened to it. Had it not been for, uh, you know, the way the algorithm is designed. Uh, it's just, I released it in November of 2018 and it has just slowly been shared on discover weekly with new fans. And, uh, you know, basically the deal is if, the fans that get shown that song save that song and start, you know, listen to it. That sends a message back to the algorithm that, Hey, this song's resonating. Let's push it back to these people and mm -hmm. so on and so on. And so that's been the case with that song for, you know, the last, uh, however many years it's been since 2018. I'm not going to try to do the math here, but <laughs> one yesterday. And, uh, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's really all it is. It's, it was my first go at recording music professionally and doing it in a studio and hiring out a real session band. Um, it's funny that the session band was uh, Drew Holcomb. Uh, if you're a fan of Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors or Ben Rector, uh, it was the crew that had worked with both those guys quite often. Um, and that, that was kind of a big dream for me as well, because I had, was a huge fan of those bands and to sit down with those players and track those songs was a dream come true. And really kind of the the drug that kept me coming back to the studio. Well, but and there, it's I mean, Spotify and tech is is great, you know, it, but at the same time, it wouldn't get shared if it wasn't wasn't it didn't come through like it does. You can hear hear it. That's a polished. It's just a gem. So uh, but I, I, I had to ask because I knew it was a love song and I'm like, yeah, she's a brown hair, blue eyed baby, too. <laughs> well, it, it's kind of fun now because I play it at my shows Um when we when we uh we open for a lot of people right now just trying to get out there and when we have a little bit longer set where we can fit it in we will play it and it's funny because i 
the song is about my wife, but now that I've got a little seventh month old girl at home, wow. I mean, we, we weren't sure what she was going to look like. And sure enough, she's got brown hair and blue eyes. Hey. So, uh, you know, yeah. Two for <laughs> two. I'm like, man, I'm a genius songwriter. <laughs> oh, I love that. Well, uh, I think I think we've hit that point here in the interview. Uh, we've covered a lot of ground, but we got more to go here. Uh, it's time for our favorite part, a little game we like to call Ched Talk. J.D. Clayton, are you ready to play Ched Talk here on the Real Wolf Record Club? I am. I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. First question here on Ched Talk. For fans who might have followed your social media, they might have seen you playing songs suspended in a tree. Uh, what is the most uncomfortable or awkward place you've ever played guitar? I, I, I mean, I'm glad you brought that up. That tree was not comfortable. Uh, it doesn't look comfortable. <laughs> when we were... Yeah, we'll just go there. I... I uh... I don't know why we thought that was going to like, Oh yeah, this is going to look so he just climbs up in a tree and yeah. sits there. <laughs> yeah. This is so Southern rock. Take your shoes off. You're the oh, Southern boy. Like they don't even have shoes down there. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was the worst. And it... I was sweating my rear off up there. And so I had like you, he's out of frame. But my manager is standing right there at the base of the tree with a paper towel, just just handing me this paper towel to, because I'm just sweating my tail off <laughs> on this tree. Um, would not recommend, would not do it again. <laughs> it's, it's a, for fans, check them out on Instagram. Um, it's, but it, it's, it's a great acoustic version of American Millionaire. It's uh, fun. It's a pretty scene, but it does not look comfortable. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, second question here on uh, Chad Talk with our good friend JD Clayton. You're from Fort Smith, Arkansas, but you got your musical start as a professional musician in the Music City, Nashville, Tennessee, and and most recently uh, playing Americana Fest there last fall. Uh, also, oddly enough, that was the same night I was in town to see Pearl Jam, and also got COVID. Um, so. <laughs> For all our listeners keeping score, uh, what's the best music city you've played that no one's ever heard of? I would say Buffalo, New York, which everyone has heard of. But uh, well, I hope people have heard of Buffalo, New York. Uh, we, as my band is primarily Southern Boys, we have not spent a lot of time in upstate New York, mm -hmm. uh, believe it or not. And we were pleasantly surprised and cannot wait to go back. We mm -hmm. love uh, that area of the country, upstate New York, uh, Pittsburgh. We played a show in Philadelphia. The Iron Belt has produced some amazing folks. Mm -hmm. And we have loved the crowds that we're playing to in those towns. They are so receptive of the music. They love just hearing music. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know where the, the misinformation about 
I, I, you know, I guess we call them Northerners, uh, in the South. I don't know where all that started. <laughs> I have an idea. I have an yeah, idea. I got, I got an idea. <laughs> a couple of things crossed my mind. <laughs> uh, gonna, I don't want to get into the weeds here. But, uh, <laughs> there's a, this, this war that happened anyways. Uh, <laughs> let me tell you, bunch of good guys up that way. Um, <laughs> bunch of good guys that I'd love to have a brew with. Maybe mm. even a cocktail. Um, share a couple wings. A lot of good folks up there. Loved playing music up there. Excited to go back. Buffalo, New York. Cool town. Cool people. Mm, mm, mm. Surprise answer there from a Southerner. Next question here on Ched Talk. Which sentence is more true? Beards are officially over or it's mustache season. For fans who are looking at a copy of JD's new record, you'll know exactly why I'm asking. So I'll repeat, which sentence is more true? Beards are officially over or it's mustache season. The latter of the two. <laughs> it is always mustache season. It will <laughs> always be mustache season. <laughs> uh, no, to be honest, I'm looking forward to the day that I get to shave it off, but I branded it pretty hard. And so uh, I've got to stick with it for at least uh, a season. But look, I didn't think I could grow one. COVID opened up that door and yeah. uh, I tried it out. You know, I can't grow anything in the middle underneath my nose. I've got a, I've got a hormone disorder, but mm. uh <laughs> That's but, the most uh, rock and roll thing ever. <laughs> I, I take a actually, special pill to grow the hair there. <laughs> yeah. My, my brother-in-law's like, he's like, dude, how long does it take you to do that? Like, yeah, you just, you just take a razor and slowly cut. And I'm like, bro, if I could, if I, are you kidding me? Like if I could grow hair underneath my, my nose holes, I, I would have done it a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I asked that not because I am a, a judgment. Ben and I both have beards right now. Um, I, I, to much, much uh, acclaim in certain parts of my life and not so much. I had a mustache for the last few years and I grow in the beard to make way for the mustache. So that's where the mustache season reference Thank comes you. from. I, Thank I you. agree with you, sir. Um, it's like the Fort Smith of your face. It's uh it's the gateway to the mustache. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The Fort Smith <laughs> of J.D. A... Clayton's face. That's right. If, if, <laughs> I, like if that. I could grow a beard and it not look like I had just mauled my face with oh. a uh, with with some kind of like electric razor. Got into a fight with a I, weed whip. Yeah. <laughs> then I would, grow, I would grow a beard, but uh, yeah, cannot. It's not possible. This is, uh, this is it. I do working. have some pretty some pretty wild sideburns though, so I got that working for me. Yeah, it's working for you. Um, next question here on the Real Wolf Record Club, Ched Talk, uh, the most indispensable instrument of a folk rock Americana outfit, and you can't say guitar. A banjo. I think it's a banjo, right? I mean, because you put you put a harmonica in there, well, that might be blues. You put. I mean, it's got to be the banjo or a or a fiddle, maybe. Yeah, it. I've seen bands that do the classic rock four piece, mm -hmm. and then they throw a banjo player in there, 
mm-hmm. because the song called for it. Right. And uh, you're just always looking up at that guy going like, you know, what is he doing? <laughs> what what uh, When's he going to do his thing with the band? What's he, got, <laughs> what's he got going there? And the truth is he's playing the whole time. He's been playing the whole time. Mm-hmm. He was playing when the song started. But truthfully, banjo doesn't really cut through the mix that well in a massive right. live, uh, right. you know, production. So I love the banjo. I have a real soft spot for it because my grandfather played the banjo. Mm-hmm. But if we're talking, you know, if you got to make some cuts, that guy's got to go. <laughs> there you go. Um all right, last question here on Ched Talk with our good friend JD Clayton. Uh, 2023 is the year that you become a true American millionaire and all the trappings that come with that status. What's the name of your digital currency? Um, so, like, mine would be Loincoin <laughs> or, 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 or Joe Coin, yeah. you know? I mean, I'd invest in that. Uh, <laughs> Mine would probably be Orange Blossom Specials. And, Whoa. Uh, you know, they, they these are these are some high dollar tokens here. OBS coin. OBS coin. OBS. <laughs> let, me, uh, let me get a couple of those OBS from you. Yeah. J.D. Clayton was extradited from the Bahamas <laughs> in the OBS coin scandal. <laughs> yeah. Dude was hiding out with some a couple orange yeah. blocks and specials. And, uh... <laughs> oh, all right. Well, uh, Ben, crunch the numbers for us. See if uh, how JD did on Ched Talk. I, I think with a uh, a couple OBS in the end, throw that in there. It it's it's a win. It's a win. We, that's our. Ugh, it's got to be a record. We have never had someone lose Ched Talk. JD Clayton, thank you for playing Ched Talk here on the Real Wolf Record Club. We're going to take a very quick break, come back with JD and talk about the band, the band. This is the Real Wolf Record Club. Hey guys, this is JD Clayton and you're listening to the Real Wolf Record Club. Here we are with our good friend JD Clayton. He's here to talk about uh, a lot of things with us. Uh, his uh, digital currency, his <laughs> his views on uh, the fiddle and the banjo and all things Americana, and his new record "Long Way from Home," which came out this year in January. But also, he's here to talk with us uh, about one of those great Americana albums. Uh, of course, the band, the band. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about. Uh, you know what this album is, but I'm not even sure if I fully know exactly uh, what this album is all about. Um, it's to quote our good friend John Doe, who was on um, in season one. You don't parse art, but we parse art all the time, and we try to peel it back and figure out what exactly is happening here. Um, ben, you're you're a music guy too, as I'm also a music guy. How eloquent was that? Uh, 
<laughs> I asked JD uh, most indispensable instrument because there's a lot going on in this record. Um, and it's it I think it comes down just sonically in your ear a little bit instrumentation. You know, what is happening on this album that's different than other albums from that era? Uh, JD said it was a banjo. I thought it was a fiddle. What's your thoughts? The most the, the, the thing that rings out from you on this record is what? To me, it's the the oldest instrument in the book, the voice. And I think there's something that makes Americana Americana when you're you're sitting in this sweet spot right between country, country western, and rock. Mm-hmm. And it's that's what makes it, I think, hard to describe. Is you you find this little little sweet spot where you, you get just enough of one and just enough of the other that you can't quite put it in one of those buckets. So I think it pulls in kind of the, the feel of rock with the emotion uh, and, and that kind of uh, um, wholesomeness of country music. And mm. it just, it's like that perfect blend. And that's, that to me is what Americana is as, is a, as this, a genre. Is this album, you know, cause we've heard, uh, we all know and love Charlie, uh, your old man. He he introduced you to a lot of music uh, by way of playing it in the car on the you know on the way to hockey games and on road trips and all that. Was was the band in your orbit or your dad's orbit growing up that you recall? Not it was like uh, one of that was in the orbit but wasn't in the in in the center. Um, so I I didn't get a lot of exposure to the band, and I I can't say that I listened to a whole album. Uh, though I I know I I know some songs by the band and I've listened to them and and like them so I, d- I didn't have a lot of lot of experience with the album. I say orbit because uh, Ben as a child was known to run circles around his living room, <laughs> listening to music and wanted to know if this fit that. Um, but but JD, what's your what's your 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 intersection with the band? I mean, obviously it's a, it's a record that's important to you and it's it's certainly if you're listening to. The band, the band, you're going to want to listen A Long Way From Home by J.D. Well, what's your intersection um, with this record? My freshman year of college, I worked for an outdoor retail company that basically sold Patagonia jackets and hiking boots. And the only music that they played over the speakers was the band. Mm. I did not grow up with the band. I grew up with the Beatles Mm-hmm. I grew up with Creedence Clearwater Revival. I, I didn't understand. I, I also didn't know Bob Dylan at the time either. So I just mm-hmm. didn't understand what we know as Americana music. Um, that was the first encounter. Second was this oyster bar that I used to go to after I'd graduated college with some buddies. There was a poster that hung on the wall of the last waltz poster concert that the band did in 1978 to basically with Martin Scorsese to to that was their send off yeah to document what they were still didn't get it didn't understand what the weight of of uh, uh no pun intended didn't understand the weight of what was go. going on and, uh, <laughs> you like that didn't you you like that uh fast forward to covid in 2020 and i'm working at a landscape company and I've got a lot of time on my hands after I get off shifts. And I finally watch The Last Waltz. And it changed me overnight. 
Mm. It was, you know, unbelievable. I, I'll never forget watching that documentary and, and what I took away from that. But from there, I started doing a deep dive into albums. Um, I had never really taken the time to listen to albums in their entirety from top to bottom. It wasn't a habit that I had developed. It was just, you know, I knew the night they drove old Dixie down. I knew up on Cripple Creek. I had never gone in and listened to the album from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. And so basically at this landscape company, my job was to drive a Ford 450 with a dump truck attachment and just drive dirt from one part of Nashville to the other part, just, you know, delivering dirt for whatever project we needed. So I had so much time to listen to music. So basically I was constantly just, I had my phone connected to this, you know, Bluetooth radio plug-in. And I love that. They have that in a dump truck. I love that. It was one of those ones you can pick up from Walmart that you just have to turn the radio signal to match the Bluetooth device (laughs) and you're you're in. And you're in. So I was blaring, you know, this this self-titled band record all over Tennessee. <laughs> yeah. All over middle Tennessee, just absolutely destroying it as I went and dumped dirt at some new construction site in, uh, in Nashville. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's something else because it's, it's, it does have, it's, it's funny you say that, you know, driving all over middle Tennessee, listening to this. I mean, this is, this is an album that has a bit of ramble to it. It has a bit of, you know, whether you're talking about the night they, uh, the night they drove old Dixie down or up on cripple Creek or rag mama rag. I mean, there's some, there's some ramble to it. There's some movement to it. And, and that's, that's something I've talked about on other uh, podcasts, but the, the sense of place and the sense of motion, that has to happen in a song, but also has to happen for the, for the listener. You know, the listener has to be in a right space to accept what's being put out into the world. I mean, you had two swings and misses, you know, you were, I didn't want to hear it at the Starbucks or wherever, you know, that type of it's in a corporate setting. That's not the right place to receive, you know, the band. Um, And then the second time, maybe it's not there, but um it's to borrow from our food theory of, of music. Another branch of that is um, you could have a mediocre burger in a great setting and it'll be the best burger you ever had. And part of that goes with just the atmosphere where you are, when you hear something, it's just going to catch you. Um, What, what were there songs that stood out? Um, You know, a lot of these are written by Robbie Robertson. Um, yeah, one of the guitarists. There's been there's different lead vocalists. It's hard to tell sometimes even who's singing. Were there songs that stood out for you as a favorite or something that you would come back to? That's hard to answer. To be honest, I, this album was one of the records that I really, and I'm, I'm being genuine here, I, I really did listen from top to bottom continuously. Um, mm-hmm. It was hard to just like go in and pick a song. Yeah, up on Cripple Creek and when the night they drove old Dixie down. I mean, like those are rag model rag. Those are fun songs, but I mean, ultimately this, this was an album that I would just 
it'd be 6.30 in the morning, I'd load up in the truck and hit play on across the Great Divide and turn up the speakers as loud as they possibly could go. And the sound of the bass and that raggedy upright that Richard Manuel was playing and, you know, or Garth, depending on the track, uh, I mean, it just hit me in my gut. And I, mm -hmm. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that I knew I was writing songs. I, we were getting, we were months out from me quitting the landscape job to go record this album. So my mind had switched to, okay, what am I going to do with these songs I've written? How am I going to produce this? Because ultimately I wanted to produce it for the most part. I wanted to produce this record myself. So a lot of this, especially, you know, whether it was Leonard Skinner, Creedence Clearwater Revival, these albums, but this album in particular, the self-titled record, they were just, it was basically just like a, a class that I was enrolling myself in to study mm -hmm. and learn how these uh, how these bands were producing their their songs yeah well and that's i, I think that's you kind of hit on a little bit of it that it, it is an album that you do start to finish and let play I've, I've said that before on the show as well that's a that's a mark for me of an album that i'm going to like a lot is when i let it play and you're at home and all of a sudden on spotify you notice that oh, it's playing different music now. It's because you let the album play and it's just so, it, you absorbed it. You marinated in it again, to borrow from our food analogy. Um, it is yeah. one of those albums. Um, ben, your, your favorite track, or is there a track or a moment? We kind of go back and forth on that. I don't know if this is more of a track or more of a moment album. Um, for me, it's, I would say it's pretty easy. My, my favorite song is Rag Mama Rag, but my favorite moment is that little, piano part kind of time signature change and jawbone that i just i hear yeah. it and it just kind of boom, i hear it all the time and i love that um but ben favorite song or moment on the record yeah i've, I've got a little bit of both there's a lot of good songs in this album but one really stood out to me and that was jemima surrender yes. and I, so jd doesn't have the the luxury of knowing kind of my musical history or uh, my taste, but I I'm definitely would consider myself a rock guy. And I like all kinds of different rock and classic rock, uh, folk rock, Americana, whatever you want to call it. But I, I couldn't get past that, that, that guitar at the beginning, the intro of that guitar, it took me out of Americana and it, it, like put me right into like an indie, like alt rock song or something. It was like, this is yeah. This has kind of got like a little bit of an edge to it. And I mm -hmm. totally didn't expect it. It caught me off guard first time I heard it. And I just kept going back to that song and playing it. It's like the uh, Should I Stay or Should I Go by The Clash. It's just right. like, -na 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 -na. it's just so, yeah. you know, it's coming out of, coming out of like the sweet melodic songs, like, uh, you know, Look Out Cleveland and just the these huge choruses to that where it's riff based it shocks you yeah it, it really did it, it just it kind of uh you know stopped me dead in my tracks but i i think the the other guitar moment that i really like so this is my moment on the album is the kind of groove this is kind of like a groovy guitar riff intro on up on cripple creek and 
so I, I don't ask me how I ended up here, but I like to kind of search up the song and search up different versions of it or if anybody's covered it or if it's been sampled. But the, the fun fact here is that this is actually sampled on the uh, 90s hip-hop group Gangstar's debut Ooh. album. It's on a song called Beyond Comprehension. So check it out. I mean, it's really prominent. Like the 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 sample is like the sample of the song, but it's used no in just way. a totally different context. But um, it's just so interesting like to pull that piece of Americana out and then put it in that context just gave it a kind of another layer to me. But it, it was also, you know, my my uh, my one B favorite song. So uh, between those two. We get a good song and a good moment and a little bit of trivia for, for the listeners. <laughs> mm. That's cool. That's awesome. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, it's, I, that's, that's something too. I mean, when you, you have music that it's, we've called, we've called it marinating, uh, but you soak it in cause you let it play. And whether you're driving around in a, in a big rig dumping dirt somewhere or whether you're listening to it wow. on a record or you got it in your headphones, um, if you're soaking up, that much it it it's gonna lend itself to being soaked up in other places and i did not know the gangstar reference so there you are there's a little easter egg for all of our uh internet generation fans but with that we're gonna turn to a segment that we like to call tales from the internet from the internet here on the real wolf record club um i don't really have a hook so to speak and jd's over like come on man you can't release a song without a hook i i don't really have a hook with this one other than it's weird and i don't know the answer and so i'm hoping either our panel or our guest or or maybe you our listeners uh you can contact us at our Go to our website, realwolfrecordclub.com. Uh, you can click on the contact us button, uh, click send us an email, or follow us on Instagram at Real Wolf Record Club. I think we're still on Twitter, but who knows how long? Who cares anymore on Twitter? Um, at Real Wolf RC. Send us a note. Let me know what you think because here's what I got. I am a Neil Young fan. And if you're, you don't even have to be a Neil Young fan to be an After the Gold Rush fan and know that record. And on that record, which allegedly, and I say allegedly not because it's probably not true, but it, it, it you could tell me it's true and tell me it's not true and it'd both be, makes sense. That was, that album was the soundtrack to Neil made some weirdo hips, you know, hippy dippy movie where there's this fictional town that gets flooded and, you know, after the gold rush, after the flood type concept. And the only way you could get around, presumably Laurel Canyon in California, was on the Cripple Creek Ferry. So he's got the song, Hey, Hey, Cripple Creek Ferry. And then we bring out the band, the band. And this album was released, I think, five years before. And you've got the song up on Cripple Creek. Then you throw in the fact that they're all Canadians. And that threw me for everything. Because I thought, is there like a Canadian pre-internet messaging system? They're like, guess what? We're going to talk about Cripple Creek. You wait a few years. Because this album was supposed to apparently be called Harvest. Mm. 
And apparently they left it for their friend intentionally, Neil, to release his Smash album two or three years later, Harvest. So now I'm thinking there's some connection. There's some Canadian connection to Cripple Creek. And the only thing I can find on the internet is that Cripple Creek is an actual Old West, old mining town. It's kind of become emblematic of the Old West experience. I'm sure they have tourists come through and say, oh, this is what it was like in the Old West mining and things like that. So our guest is from Fort Smith, Arkansas. And because my knowledge of as a, living in a state that gets called a flyover state, I think we kind of mentally always think of the South as, ah, they're all Southerners. They must know. I'm looking for some expert insight as to what the Canadian Cripple Creek connection is. Four C's there. Guys, what do you got? Anything? <laughs> you want, are you taking the leash off? You want me to riff for a minute? I want you to riff. <laughs> All right. All right, here we go. So the first song that I ever learned how to play was a bluegrass number called Cripple Creek. Cripple Creek, I don't know if there's any Canadian connection other than the fact that the Canadians want to be Americans. And that song Cripple Creek probably came from not the Western part of uh, the country, but more from the Appalachian or where bluegrass originated. Basically, somebody explained the band to me in a in one sentence where it's basically Robbie Robertson pinning the songs of the band by describing Levon Helm's life as a Southerner. Levon Helm was from Southern art, Southeastern Arkansas, and all of the songs have this kind of you know, Southern heritage that lingers, but it's all from the perspective of, you know, a Canadian's perspective of Levon's life. Um, and so I, I think, you know, I have no idea if any of this is what I'm saying is accurate, but I'm going to tell you right now, I think Cripple Creek is, uh, you know, just what these Canadian boys thought was cool. And, you know, felt American to them, but really, you know, you can blast the, the, uh, uh, flat and Scruggs, uh, song cripple Creek. And you can know right away that there's nothing Canadian or Western about that. Well, uh, I, that is, yes, I agree. Um, I, what I, I'm going to throw this other wrinkle to it though. Up on cripple Creek is a song that is covered live uh, somewhat frequently by Dave Matthews. And guess where he's from? <laughs> I mean, at what point do we just say enough is enough and there's something going on? And I get it. JD, Ben and I, we are, we are, our, our Ben's checking the numbers right now for our Canadian listenership. It's plummeting at this point because to say, we don't want to be I- Americans. <laughs> I, I want to. I want to be careful there because, and I did say that, and I'll take. I'll, I'll take. Uh, I, I said at the beginning of this podcast that this is my first time ever touring, um, and we have 
met some amazing dudes at our shows that are from Canada. Shout out to Mitch and uh, my, my boys uh, from the Northern Lands. Uh, those are some of my favorite dudes. So they know, I mean, well. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, at, you say, you, you ask, you know, at what point do we, uh, do we call attention to it? And I, I think Ronnie Van Zant called attention to it in uh, Sweet Home Alabama when he just starts trashing uh, Neil Young. You know, a Southern man yeah. don't be around anyhow, baby. So uh, <laughs> it's uh, it, this is all fun and games here. I, I, I don't so, mean. So where we end up is we pulled in the conspiracy grows bigger. It involves yeah, right. Leonard Skinner. Right. It involves Neil Young. It involves Dave Matthews Band. It involves your friends up in Buffalo and parts further north. I don't know. I want – here's what I need from the Real Wolf Record Club fans. I need you to get at us on social, and I need you to let us know what's up with the Canadians at Cripple Creek. Dude, where, uh, where, where do they get off? Where do they get off? Where do they get off with old Cripple Creek? Oh, I love it. Well, uh, speaking of weird, weird Canadians, minus the Canadians, uh, speaking of weirdos, uh, our good friend Ben here is a former wedding DJ, which I'm sure that's that's about as weird as it gets for most people anywhere. But uh, he likes to do a little thing we call put it on a playlist. So, Ben, put it on a playlist. Oh, Joe. At first, I thought I was going to be proud to be Americana, which would have fit, I think, actually well in this Canadian conspiracy theme you've got going on here. Uncovered, uh, you mean. So I thought, yeah, a collection of Americana sounds. And I suppose a, a cutting room floor playlist could have been proud to be Americana sung by Canadians. Maybe we'll get there someday. But what I ended up with is a playlist called the playlist hyphen the playlist. Uh, I knew you yes. were going to do that. <laughs> yes, this is a self-titled playlist okay. of songs from self-titled albums. Released in 1969. <laughs> Embrace the redundancy. Got it. Okay. So but I've got, I've, got, so I've got the song from the album. It's up on Cripple Creek. It's my 1B favorite song. And the yodel part at the end, yep. chef's kiss. Uh, so that's that's got to be on here. But I've got two songs that fit a very special spot in the music library of being self-titled, self-titled, self-titled songs. So I'll give you the first. Black Sabbath singing <laughs> Black Sabbath on the album Black Sabbath. So the question I have there is, how much Black Sabbath is too much? Well, it might be four times, but three times, just right. <laughs> Can you think of another such song that is on an album that is self-titled, also having a song? I'll give it three seconds. Give us a hint. Yeah, It's something that I do till the day I die. Until the day I die. 
It's Bad Company, boys. It's Bad Company. This is the song Bad Company by the band Bad Company off the album Bad Company. Great tune. Check it out. I've got a a few other good ones here. Uh, (laughs) We've got Boston, which is gets really close. They just didn't title the name of the song Boston, but it's called Rock and Roll Band. It's an autobiographical song about Boston playing Boston music. Got it. Uh, Then we've got Fleetwood Mac off of their self-titled album, World Turning, which is a deep cut, but it might be one of my favorite, if not my favorite, Fleetwood Mac song. That's a that is a, uh, <laughs> a bold claim there. I know we've got uh, the cars. This is one I'm going to say. Put a pair of headphones on, and listen to it. Moving in stereo, fantastic song, but it's pretty trippy when you listen to it in in stereo. Uh, another two 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 more songs I'll highlight off this one. Weezer, off of the uh, self titled Weezer album, uh, also called the Blue Album. And I'm gonna put on the the undone the sweater song and and JD you talked about you know turning a phrase and the perfect way to describe something is is kind of not on your brand, but man, talk about a song that has just a perfect lyric. If you want to destroy my sweater, hold this thread as I walk away. Like oh this, this is brilliant. I mean it's so simple, simple way to say something, but so much meaning behind it. And finally. I have to I have to put this this song on here. The album Vampire Weekend by the band Vampire Weekend. I'm not going to say that I named my first daughter after an indie rock song, but Brynn is on the playlist. Ooh. <laughs> you named your daughter Vampire? <laughs> <laughs> the name of the song Weekend. is Brynn. <laughs> the name of my daughter is Brynn. Totally it. coincidental. I I swear. Uh, but not really. <laughs> well, uh, if you're if you're bold enough and you're brave enough, take a walk through uh, Ben's Ben's brain on RealWolfRecordClub.com. There's a link with playlists. You can also find us on Spotify and wherever else you get your musical tunes. Uh, with all our playlists there, and you can see if Ben's right. If they make any sense to you, I, I didn't see the Bad Company one coming, but. Uh, not while we've got such good Until the day I die. company. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break here on the Real Wolf Record Club. We'll come back and finish up with our rating of the band. The band with our good friend J.D. Clayton. This is the Real Wolf Record Club. back to the real wolf record club we're finishing up our discussion about the band the band with our good friend jd clayton it's tough to put a label on as we noted right out of the gate you know is it roots is it americana is it canadian kana is it canadian cosplay of americana is it um roots rock is it country rock is it you know it does a lot and i i think that's what makes this album perhaps i'm gonna go out on a limb here because we we 
don't dislike a whole lot on this show because it's way more fun to talk about music you like than music you dislike. Um, I, I go out and limb and say this is a great album, and I think one of the reasons it probably is is because to Ben's point, it exists in that space where it's able to do a lot of things without committing to any one thing. It, it can pull out things about Cripple Creek and have it be that nod towards either the old West or to the Appalachian West, uh, Appalachian, um, not the Appalachian West, Appalachian um, bluegrass roots, or it, it can have um, kind of, you know, the night they drove old Dixie down. That's a song that sounds like it's a hundred years old. And yet it was written in, you know, the late sixties. And so it can do all these things and it exists in all these spaces and and do it cohesively with a number of writers and a number of singers and a number of instruments. And I for me, I, I don't I don't think there's really any question. I mean, this is an album that if you're if you're a person that prides themselves on knowing your roots, see what I did there, uh, knowing your roots, knowing where where what has been influential music. I mean, all the way up from uh <laughs> You know, 1969, 70, whether you want to say they influenced people then or not, they're influencing people now. You got a kid driving from Fort Smith, Arkansas to Nashville, driving around in a truck, dumping loads of dirt, being influenced by this record. I mean, that's that's a narrative. That's a thread. That's a that's a fiber in the American musical experience that's worth noting. So for me, it's pretty easy. This is a buy it. I think this is an album that... um I play it through, and the only time my ear skips is on Whispering Pines, and that's just because I'm not a sucker for ballads all the time. But I, for me, it's a it's a buy it. It's something I think you need to own. I need to have a copy of. Um, but Ben, what about you? I'll, I'll, I'll let you go next. What's what's your rating of the band? The band. You know, I I talked myself into a buy it on this one. It was better than I expected, and this is feels very crazy to me right now but i have my one word description of this album is earthy and i was like jd telling his story about moving earth listening to this album i was like yeah that's what it is i mean this is this is an album that moves earth i mean it's just it's so hearty it's dense it's rich and it goes a lot of places. And, and I, I, I found myself getting a few songs stuck in my head. Uh, I, I really struggled not to sing I Pulled Into Nazareth <laughs> to the beginning of a lot of them because uh, it has a you know, very similar sound to, to, to that song, some of, the, some of the tracks of this album. But uh, I would say I couldn't quite get to the Buy It Again stage because... I do think that there's some sounds that, that the band either pulled from or influenced. I didn't run the timelines on this, but um, it reminds me a lot of like the Grateful Dead. Mm -hmm. um, and I would say if I, if I were to choose one or the other, I'd probably prefer the Dead. But man, this is a, a great album to listen to. Some really good chilling tunes. And uh, I think I'll have to add a few of them to my Fire Pit playlist. It's one that you, you just can kind of sit watch the flames dance i'm so glad you explained you to that. that space I, he, he explained it to us the, the all the playlists we've listened to and then he <laughs> just has something so pedestrian as the fire pit playlist yeah, it's the fire pit playlist you put it i put it on Get my it? backyard which was my covid pastime was was landscaping in my backyard 
I mm. hand dug out a huge paver walkway and built a big fire pit. Now I've got speakers out there and I can listen to my fire pit playlist. Good for you, man. That's <sighs> that's awesome. Uh, JD, <laughs> you get the last word on the band, the band. How do you rank it? Bury it, borrow it, buy it, or buy it again? You know, you already know my answer, but it's, it's a buy it again, baby. I, I mean, I bought this record on vinyl uh, for the first time, finally, a couple months ago. Mm. And it was the most special moment playing it for the first time over my, uh, I've got a sweet vintage uh, receiver and, and speakers and, I had the whole band in town in Fort Smith before we went on tour to Texas. And we played that record uh, as loud as we possibly could get my speakers. Mm. And, uh, man, it's just, it really, I'm glad you brought that up about the earth and that being kind of a theme throughout, because I think that's why it was so natural to listen to it day in and day out of this landscape job, because I would just be covered head to toe in, in dirt and sweat and it's just burning hot outside and in middle Tennessee. And it just felt right. It was, it was the background music to all of, you know, where I was at this point in my life, the work I was doing and it helped me whether I was playing it in the truck or in my headphones while we were digging holes. I, like it was just, it helped me get through each day. Yeah, I mean, there's there's things they definitely borrowed. All those people, the the golden era is 1969 to 72 for me. All the best records that were ever made fell in that window. And funny enough, today I saw a picture of Rick Danko, uh, who played bass in the band, hanging out with Jerry Garcia. Um, I forget what year it said, but so you know everybody was pulling from everybody else, and mm -hmm. at, during that time. Uh, which is pretty awesome because there there was a sense of community that I don't think exists and can't be recreated like it was in that time of music. But mm. yeah, I'd buy it again. I'd wear it. I'd put it on a shirt. <laughs> sing it. That's a nod to wear it and share it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was trying to remember what it was like. What is this phrase? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'd buy it again. And I'd put it on a, I'd put it on a shirt. Are you kidding me? Ah, I love that. That is, that is, I think, a great way to think of it. It's an earth-moving album. It's an earthy Americana, earth-moving record. Uh, that's it on the band for us. Uh, JD, thank you so much for being here with us. Um, it's 2023. You got a new album out. What's, what's gonna happen for you the rest of the year? 2023 is gonna shape up to be a pretty busy year for us. Um, you know. By the time everybody's listening to this uh, podcast, I will have already put out my debut album, Long Way From Home, and we'll have started touring across uh, the U.S. playing these songs. We're going on tour to Colorado um, for the first time. I, I've, I've spent a lot of time in Colorado, but never played a show there and always have wanted to. Um, and we're going to do two runs one run in February and then another run in Colorado in March. And um, yeah, it's just right now it's kind of a funny place for an artist to be because 
most of the shows I get are because a larger act needs a support act and they are gracious enough to let us jump in and play some songs. And so we don't have anything really on the books six months out. Everything is, is just, we're just sitting by the phone waiting for the call, hoping that my album continues to connect with people and these songs resonate with somebody out there. Um, you know, hope the songs resonate with the Canadians, you know, just really, really. Uh, <laughs> well, Hey, when you're in Colorado, it's, you know, it's probably a several hour drive from Colorado Springs, but you could make the pilgrimage to Cripple Creek and see if it's all true, all what it's cracked up to be. <laughs> I will FaceTime uh, you guys and let you know. Ah, uh, love it. Jamie, Live on the scene uh, at Cripple Creek. Katie <laughs> Clayton. Where, where can people support you? Where can people get the new record? Where can people follow you and see all the great things you're going to be doing? Yeah. Uh, most of my, most of the interactions that take place between myself and others can all happen at Instagram.com slash JD Clayton official. Uh, I do all, most of my communication there. My website is jdclaytonofficial.com. We have all the, you know, any, any tour date that we're going to be playing is on there as well, as well as uh, we're going to be getting merch up on the site, uh, links to all the music. We are in the process of getting vinyl made. And so that's going to be really cool. I've already listened to the test pressings and it sounds so cool uh, to listen back to those mm -hmm. songs in that way. Uh, it was, it's like the first time I've, created songs from start to finish and listened back to them in a room and thought that was exactly how I wanted it to sound one day. <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, people who say vinyl is, uh, you know, not, you know, we don't need to be friends with those people. It's, nice. it's the coolest. I mean, it's the coolest. So if you guys yeah. want a copy, we'll make sure you guys get a copy, but um, it's, that's, it's all good, man. It's such a fun process. It's all new to me because I'm, I'm a beginner at, at all of this. And so every day is a new thing. And these interactions with the team or, you know, the booking team, the management, it's all, it's all I ever dreamed of and mm -hmm. what I had hoped would happen one day. Um, and had zero clue was going to actually happen. And so I'm just, you know, a kid in a candy shop, just running around. It's every day is a, great day to be alive so mm. happy to be anywhere i love that 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 outlook uh you can find all of jd's stuff at jd clayton official on instagram or jd clayton official.com uh check us out we'll have links to jd's stuff uh on our website real wolf record club.com on instagram at real wolf record club or twitter if you will uh, at real wolf rc uh we got so much more coming up here on season two please 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 support our good friend jd clayton and all our guests um continue the conversation join in with us at real wolf record club uh everybody's in the club everybody's a part and, and join us for all our great conversations about all the great music that's out there that is it for this episode of the real wolf record club
This has been the Real Wolf Record Club Podcast, a production of Real Wolf Productions, LLC, a limited liability company. This show is produced by Ben Head and hosted by Joe Vantomi, with musical credits to the incomparable Laserbeak. Follow us and join the club on Instagram at Real Wolf Record Club or on Twitter at Real Wolf RC. Check out our website at realwolfrecordclub.com to find all our episodes, guest information, playlists, and merch created by Ward Sutton. Join us next episode when we discuss the 1972 album Close to the Edge by Yes. Yes.